Hello, working people of Southwest Washington. I've missed that. You're listening to episode 27 of Working to Live in Southwest Washington, produced by the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council and sponsored by the Evergreen Education Association. We're also a proud member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network with over 150 radio shows and podcasts for working people just like you. Find out more about the network at laborradionetwork.org. I'm Shannon Myers. And I'm Harold Phillips. Before we get started, we want to remind you that the views and opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily the views and opinions of the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council, its affiliate unions, our guest unions, or their employers, not even their principals, nobody but themselves. I get the feeling you have been called to the principal's office a few times, Shannon. (laughs) Only once in sixth grade for starting a food fight, and it really stunk. After that, I learned my lesson. Sorry, Mr. Buck. Yeah, you were probably on the list of more than a few of the principals in schools that you were in. On their good list, thank you very much. Right. Well, now that we've got that over with, Hey, Shannon, it's been a while since these folks heard from us. Do you think you recovered from the labor awards dinner we talked about in our last episode back in December? I know. It's been a long time since we've done the show. I've missed you, Harold. I've missed our audience. And yes, of course, we have now recovered from the first annual Labor Heroes Awards of Southwest Washington. In fact, We already recorded our kind of wrap-up episode to tell you about it, and we were going to release it this weekend, but there's something a lot more important, and there is a timeline, so we wanted to bring that to our audience's attention. And what is this topic? It's the Evergreen School District Replacement Levy. Ballots have already been sent out and they need to be returned by April 26th. Yeah, that's important. But Shannon, we have a lot of listeners outside the Evergreen School District. I mean, according to our podcast stats, we have listeners from all over the country. Hello, Arizona and France. Yeah, really, it says France. Bonjour. Uh, I mean, why should they care about voters in one small school district in Southwest Washington voting on a replacement levy? You know, Harold, this levy is really important to the Evergreen School District, and our guests are going to talk about why in just a minute. The reason I wanted to focus on this replacement levy, though, is the tactics the opposition is using. Those are tactics that people are seeing in school district races all over the United States. Well, you mentioned our guests. Let's take a second to meet them. First, we've got Margaret Hunter. Now, Margaret, you're a teacher where? At Covington Middle School. It's a northeast area in Vancouver. We've also got Sean Gundert. And Sean, where do you teach? I teach at Henrietta Lacks Health and Bioscience High School. It's kind of behind Peace Health Southwest. And little inside baseball information for the listeners. Sean is also the vice president of the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council. We're also joined by Monica Stonier. Listeners to the show may remember from previous episode, but she's not here as a state representative for the 49th Legislative District. Monica, you also work in the Evergreen School District, right? 
I do work in the Evergreen School District. I'm an instructional coach for special services. So I work with our students in particular, but also with their teachers to kind of bridge the gap between what the special ed teachers are working on with students and how those students can gain greater access to the general ed curriculum. I also have two students that have gone through the Evergreen program. My youngest is a junior this year. So I am here also as a parent. So why do we have levies at all? Aren't the schools funded by the state legislature? It's awesome when the state fully funds education for students, but currently the state of Washington and most states across the country don't fully fund the education requirements in their district. For example, last year, our district spent about $10 million of levy funds to complete special education supports in our district. Special education supports that are required federally that the state of Washington does not cover. So there's a lot of regular gen ed funding that does not happen through our state. One thing that I find sinful and why I became a state legislator is the fact that our special ed area is actually not included in basic education. So um, our special ed programming, while required by federal law, is not funded wholly by the state. A lot of our levy dollars go to supporting those students with what they need in order to be successful. And that's one of my driving forces for helping with the levy. We have a special ed teacher in our building, and he told me that this year is the very first year that we have been able to meet all of our students with IEPs required hours. So this is the first year that we've been able to actually offer full special education supports to our students because of some of the funding from the levy that we've had. The first year in how many years? We've been a school for uh, 10 years we've been open now. Wow. So when we talk about levies, how is this money paid for? Uh, what, what is it based on? So it comes out of homeowners taxes. So depending on how much your home is worth, depends on how much of the levy tax you pay. It's just about on every thousand dollars of your home, you pay a little bit more on your taxes. So I'm happy to pay levy taxes because they up the property of my house when you have better schools. So it's really an investment for homeowners, but that's where the funding comes from for a levy, from homeowners. This actually brings up something that people have said. Home prices are going through the roof in Southwest Washington and really all across the West Coast. So as the home prices go up, aren't the schools just going to get more money anyway? Why do we need to keep voting on these levies? to bring more money into the school district. And I think that this is really important. This is not a tax increase, right? I mean, people say this is another levy. It's going to increase my taxes. I'm tired of my taxes increasing. I'm looking at your replacement levy fax flyer that you have here. That's uh, evergreenps.org slash levy. That is where you will find the information on the levy. Not a tax increase in places an expiring levy. Please explain that piece for our listeners. So the maintenance levy or the replacement levy comes up over and over again because we have to keep asking the voters to maintain their current level of funding. And I will tell you that the replacement levy passed this time would actually result in overall school tax rate going down over time. This is an opportunity to support 
a maintenance levy or replacement levy where the rate is designed to go down over time, even at a time when the economy is um, tumultuous. We can both support our kids in schools and also watch our property value and pocketbook. Our community here in Evergreen has for a long time supported adding to those programs like music, art, sports programs, after-school clubs, extra programming for students that might need some support. We also support lower class sizes by having a budget that can hire more teachers and keep those class numbers a little bit lower. Uh, We also started full-day kindergarten in Evergreen before the state mandated it. So this community has for a long time done what's best for kids through the support of their levies. And that's why it's so important to pass it time after time, because our students benefit from um, those additional programs that are not funded by the state. A lot of times it creates some confusion because people think it's an additional tax. Um, The rate may go up or may lower depending on the proposal by the district. But all in all, it is a vote to kind of replace the levy with whatever the next levy proposal is. Well, you actually bring up a really good point, this idea that we're voting again and again for these levies. Now, Evergreen just had a levy on the ballot in February, right? And the voters voted against that. Why is this coming up again? In this case, the district voters did not support the February 9th levy, and we lowered the rate to 1.7 from the originally proposed 1.92 recognizing the economic challenges families are facing, which I think was probably a smart thing to kind of acknowledge. But I can tell you, I have been, since I came home from the legislative session, out talking to voters. I've been working with people who have been volunteering to talk to voters. And I think the problem we ran into is that there was just a lack of awareness that there was a ballot measure up for a vote. That's what we're working on right now to make sure enough people know that there's a there's a levy on the ballot. And of course, we're doing our part because you're here on our podcast and we're going to try to reach out to every single person in the Evergreen School District so they understand what this levy is, what a levy is, and why they should support it. So we're here. We got your back. Shannon actually brings up a good point. A lot of people don't understand what a levy is and what a difference it can make. She and I have talked off the mic several times about levies in other school districts that haven't passed and how those school districts have been struggling. Monica, you mentioned that Evergreen has generally voted for these levies. What have you folks seen in some school districts where they keep bringing up levies and the levies keep getting voted down? My very first teaching job was here where I'm at now, but that summer before I got hired here, I got hired at Battleground. And I mean, Battleground High School is old. It's part of the reason why I chose to teach in the Evergreen District instead is, you know, the equipment, the facilities. But my understanding is there was some long lasting community feelings about some of the things that happened. So there was a public perception that the district was mismanaging Um, And this was like 10 years ago now, probably. I don't remember all of the specifics, but I think that it was like someone got bought out of their contract and 
um, the public perception of that was that was a mismanagement of public funds, and they chose to retaliate by not passing the levy. And that perception persisted for a long time, and they couldn't pass a levy to save their life. Now I'm teaching in the Evergreen District, where we have gone through two superintendents that have had their contracts bought out. And so that's got to take a hit on public perception. Yeah, it's really hard when you lose trust, whether it's in your personal relationship, professional relationship, or whether it's a school district in their community. It is really, really hard to get that trust back. And it's never the same again. So if we don't have trust that these dollars are going to go where it needs to go, then yeah, levies won't pass. But that's why people need to listen to this podcast and other avenues to educate themselves on what the levies are, where the money is going. Because in order to have a levy, you actually have to know where that money is going. And you guys actually have information you're passing out about where the money is going to go. So do we want to talk about that a little bit? About what is this levy? Where's the money going? Shannon, that's a great question. So today, fresh out of my email, we got a list of things that we will lose for sure if we do not pass the levy this time in April. Some of the more concerning things to me outside of some deans of students, which are principals that help with discipline and behavior so that we can keep our classrooms and buildings under control. They're going to eliminate fifth grade band and orchestra music programs. We have really great music programs that start earlier on than secondary. Gets kids a great start at those ages they really need to. Um, We'll be reducing associate principals as well as dean of students. So that's sort of a double whammy for our leadership for our buildings. Excel pullout programs where we send kids that are needing more education. They're just a little above and beyond advanced or exceptional learners. Looks like we'll be deleting three and a half of their programs. Reducing intervention specialists. Intervention specialists help kids that need that extra push. So we're talking about closing a gap. Kids that are at second, third grade reading levels at my school, they'll lose some of that support to help them learn to read at grade level. We've got a reduction in classroom paraeducator supports, which is extra concerning. Those are the staff members that help our neediest of students be in gen ed classes so they can be in what we call the least restrictive environments for learning. Basically saying we want to be able to go to class like everyone else. We'll need a little extra support. Some of those people are being cut. Athletic directors, secretarial positions, media specialists, librarians. Um, Teachers on special assignment, which could be anything from teachers that travel around to teach specialty things to teachers that are substituting for other teachers that can't make it to their programs. Our central office is going to lose some people, other classified positions that are support for educators, reducing classroom teachers. They're actually cutting classroom teachers that we need. I mean, this is just the short list. I'm sure the list will get longer if we don't pass the levy. So obviously this money is going to really vitally needed stuff. Our district will be devastated and the workload of teachers will be devastating if we do not pass this levy. And not to mention the service to the students. I have two girls and they were actually behind in reading from kindergarten until probably fifth grade. 
And they actually went to reading classes above and beyond. They were pulled out of class and they were given that extra help. And for any kid who ever has to have extra help, you know, it's embarrassing. You're like, you don't want to be stupid. And the teachers never, ever made, it was actually people wanted to go to those reading classes because it was something special. They got to go hang out with Mrs., you know, whom, whatever. And if we lose that support system, what are those kids going to do in the regular class when they can't keep up? I'll only add to what y'all have already said about how crucial this is at this point in time. Um, a reminder that our kids have just been through two incredibly difficult years of learning. And so have our teachers when it comes to thinking about all of the challenges they've had to try and stay connected with students through a pandemic while kids were not in the classroom. We've seen an uptick in suicidal ideation, in depression, in eating disorders, and other feelings of loneliness in our students, all of our students, all the way down into the elementary and kindergarten levels. The numbers are astounding. And to think about how crucial it is for a trusted adult to be a daily contact for those students coming out of a pandemic is what is um, most troubling for me, because this is probably the most crucial time that our students are in in their education to have the support that they need. It's not the right time to take away those points of contact. So um, Sean talked about a couple of reasons why folks may have a lack of trust or faith in the management in districts around the state where they have failed levies. At this point in time, while I often vote with my checkbook and I vote with my ballot and I vote with where I patronize businesses, this is a time to just remember that those who would actually suffer are the students. Well, I can understand what you're saying and what Sean was saying. But after hearing all of this, I can't imagine why anybody would be campaigning against this levy. It just seems so important. Have you seen any opposition? Well, I'm working on the campaign effort out there. And, you know, just this last few days, we've seen some big signs go up next to the levy signs. Um, we've put signs out to remind folks to vote. And these are signs from opposition that are, first of all, illegal because they choose to not follow the law and disclose their funding um, or where they're coming from. Let's not forget hateful. I've seen these uh, over town and I am disgusted. It is extremely hateful. And this is the messaging that we're seeing all over the United States. And that's why we need to talk about this on the show. So. Let's get down and dirty on this. I want to know what is going on here. Well, I think, um, you know, you asked in the lead in to the episode, why would people in France or Arizona care to know much about what is happening in Evergreen schools? And it is because every school board in the nation is facing attacks from misinformation because our school leaders have taken an equity stance when it comes to teaching kids, ensuring that every student feels validated and seen in the curriculum is something that we take very seriously. And we have some folks that have just decided that being open and inclusive around every family, around students, however they may identify, and ensuring that our curriculum is rich with things that matter to our students for their learning 
have taken exception to that. And I find it incredibly disheartening because uh, that's just the first step. The second step is loading social media and the community up with misinformation. And then the third step is using those lies to run against school board members. Our school directors are facing that challenge right now, but now we're finding that battle taken up in levy campaigns. So is this the big CRT controversy that we've been hearing so much about? Evergreen doesn't teach CRT, right? Neither do public schools in general across the state, but a lot of teachers are really perplexed about what that is because they don't see it in their curriculum anywhere. Well, I know that a lot of people have asked me as a teacher that they see CRT in our planning and they hear that from our teacher's mouth. That means culturally responsive teaching not critical race theory. So because they have the same abbreviations, people think they're the same thing. Culturally responsive teaching is like what Monica said, making sure every student sees value in their education, that there can be something in the education for them that they can relate to their life or their own background or possibly even skills that they need right now today. Critical race theory is an entirely different subject matter that most public schools K through 12 don't even deal with. We're talking about culturally responsive teaching has been widely accepted across the country on how to meet our kids where they are and teach them where they are so that we can close their gaps and give them the skills they need. It's a great professional development work by Zaretta Hammond. Have to give her that credit. And it's happening all over the country. And unfortunately, a lot of people are misplacing that idea of culturally responsive teaching with the critical race theory, because they're both CRT. CRT, it can mean different things. And I know that that is what is in these illegal signs, these hateful signs through Vancouver. I mean, they're talking about CRT and gender, like we're teaching our kids all this stuff about how not to be who you are. I don't even know what they're thinking is, but it's just, it's so hateful. And I don't understand. So we really need to clarify what these signs mean, what they do to our community, and how do we educate our community that the levy is not about the signs, it's about students and services. Some of the opposition will also point to areas of need. So if math and reading scores are low, then the argument is don't reinforce the school system with funding to continue to perform poorly. And I can't figure out that logic for the life of me. It seems to me that when you have a low performing sports team or music program or a low performing math um, grade level, then you focus your resources there to bolster that effort. That happens in every other world. I don't understand the argument for um, pulling funding at a time when students need it. I do get that there's the argument around mismanagement, but when the same sign says, get back to the basics. I feel like that's the, that's the effort we're trying to make here. Monica, you brought up the idea that a lot of these divisive issues are being brought up in order to get people onto the school board. Why is there such an effort to get people onto the school boards? Well, having worked on Referendum 90 and the precursor to that, which was the mandatory comprehensive sexual health education bill that the state passed recently, I can tell you that um, much of the sentiment around that bill was less about what we were going to be mandating taught in schools when it came to sexual health and emotional health and relationship health and knowledge of your own body, because usually 
parents that I talked to would realize that what we were talking about is exactly what they had in school too. It's just that we were going to require that all kids have access to that, not just some. And when it came down to the sticking point that we actually could not find agreement on, it was always around our LGBTQ kids, their right to be acknowledged and to have a curriculum that reflects them. People from the opposing side were very hesitant to get to that point, to admit that, but I spent a lot of time trying to dig into the bottom of the conversation, and I think that's why the word gender is on the signs of opposition, because the opposing side want to make that a greater issue and want to use that as a driving wedge argument, and that's the basis they're using to try to get people elected to the school boards, because they, for some reason, believe that the school board can make some decisions that may limit that kind of inclusive teaching. But in actuality, much of that is protected by now state law, but quite frankly, federal rights to equity and non-discrimination. And I think, Monica, that that law favors them and their students as well, because when their students come in who are not LGBTQ+, we also have to accept those students the way they are, just like we accept our LGBTQ students the way they are when they come to my classroom. And the way we always have, yes. Well, look, this is a labor show. This is produced by the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council. You're all members of the Evergreen Education Association. So we're all about working people in our communities. We're talking about a lot of pretty big stuff here. These arguments, pro and con and property taxes. If you were just to put it at the baseline, why should working people in our community care about this issue? The levies are always for learning. And we're talking about our future laborers. I know I learned how to read. I learned how to do math. Most of the things I do in my classroom, I actually didn't learn in college. I learned when I was going K through 12. So if we want strong laborers and people that are intelligent enough to do my job when I'm too old to do my job, we need to up the levy and up the stakes for our learners because they need that money. They need that support. We need it now. I also like to remind people that the students in classrooms today are the ones who will be running your city tomorrow. They might also be running the long-term care facility that you live in. They may be the person you have to call when you need a plumber because your pipe broke. And that whether you have students in your household or not, you are certainly at the mercy of the quality of learning our kids have an opportunity to get today. That's one thing that really kind of irritates me, and it's something that I will never say. When my kids are out of the house, I will never say, I don't have kids anymore. It's not my problem. And I do hear that. And I grew up in Southern Oregon. I'm going to call out my town, Medford, Oregon. We always had problems passing levies because we had huge retirement community. And they were saying, I don't have kids anymore. Why do I want to increase my taxes? But that's why I wanted to say that this is not a tax increase. And even if you don't have children, we should all care about our future. And that is what our children are. It affects all of us. Like, I live in the community. I work in the community. My family lives in the community. We all have family. We all have friends. We all have neighbors. We all have people that live in the community. We need good education systems. We need opportunities. We need to get a step up as working people. I teach an engineering class. I do my best to bring in 
different opportunities for students that are trying to go into college for students that are not interested in going to college. I have a lot of students that specifically take my engineering class that maybe don't want to go to college, but because I'm connected with the labor community, I know that there's a lot of opportunities for apprenticeships that don't pay minimum wage, that are a stable career for working people that can get us a leg up. This opposition that we're seeing Monica said it's illegal because we don't know who's paying for it. Someone's paying for it. Those big signs are expensive. And ultimately, at the end of the day, someone is benefiting from this. And I guarantee you, it's not the people that are working class. It's not the people that need the money to survive. It's not us. It's them. Who are them? Shadows. Doesn't matter. It's the boss. It's, it's, it's capital. Well said. Thank you so much. Margaret Hunter, teacher at Covington Middle School, Sean Gunder, teacher at Henrietta Lacks High School, and Monica Stonier. Thanks for having us, Harold. Thanks for having us, Southwest Washington. In France and Arizona. Thank you so much. And thank you, working people, whether you're in Southwest Washington or France or Arizona, for joining us on another episode of Working to Live in Southwest Washington. Produced by the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council and sponsored by the Evergreen Education Association. Find out more about the Evergreen Replacement Levy at evergreenps.org slash levy. And remember, if you live in the Evergreen School District, get those ballots in by April 26th. Do what I did. Mail them early. Then you don't have to worry about it. Can I jump in on that? Yes. Talk to your family, talk to your neighbors, make sure they've voted. Talk to everyone you know. It takes everyone, it takes all of us. We need to get this taken care of so that we can take care of ourselves. All right, Sean, you can't have my job. Forget about it. Even if you don't live in the Evergreen School District, if you know someone in the Evergreen School District, let them know they have to get those ballots in by April 26th. Make that long distance call from France if you have to. And you know, Harold, the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council always believes it's important that working people in our community come together and ensure that everyone in our community has decent family wage jobs, whether they work in a school or whether they work behind a microphone. That's why this podcast was recorded under a SAG-AFTRA collective bargaining agreement. Remember, working people, this is your show. We want to know what you want to hear on it. Email us at podcast at swwaclc.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at swwaclc. And don't forget, April is my birthday month. So don't forget to subscribe to the show. Give me a gift and then pass the link on to your friends and neighbors. And while you're at it, give us five stars or put the mail-in ballot in the Dropbox or whatever your podcast platform of choice gives you to let people know you like what we're doing here. One last thing, folks. We had a little conversation about why working people should care about the state of the schools in their community. Remember, when you're talking about labor, when you're talking about unions, you're talking about organizations who are there for everybody in their community. They're there for the people who pull in a paycheck, who punch a clock. So when you're asking yourself, why are the unions getting involved in a school levy? Think about all of the different people who work for your school district. It's not just teachers. It's not just administrators. It's not just principals. 
It's bus drivers. It's the lunch lady. It's the people who mow the lawn outside the school. All of them are going to be affected by whether this levy passes or not. And all of them spend their paychecks in our community. So if they don't have stable employment, the people at the stores they would have shopped at aren't going to have stable employment either. This filters down through the whole community. I only have one thing to say. Don't be mean. Do the right thing and vote for the Evergreen School District levy. Vote yes by April 26th. That's it. We'll see you soon. Bye.